Hello, everybody. How are you today? I hope you all are doing well. Well, to, today we're going to start, we'll celebrate Mother's Day since it's this Sunday. And I thought it'd be nice to figure out if Mother's Day is around the world and who qualifies to be a mother. And first of all, if you have a female figure in your life that you look up to, that guides you, helps take care of you, gives you great advice. They're a mother figure. Whether it's your aunt, your mom's friend, your, your teacher, your guidance counselor, pretty much any female that's giving you the right guidance to go the right place needs to be celebrated today as Mother's Day. Because without them, a lot you never know. At least you know you're looked after and they're looking after you. Now, not all around the world we celebrate Mother's Day. Mother's Day, I'm not sure where it started, but Mother's Day was created by this one woman who was honoring her mother. I'm trying to remember her name. Um, I guess her name was Anna Jarvis. Where And I guess it actually did originate in the U.S. or in America. So I'm not sure what part. It could be anywhere in North America, South America, America itself. But it was created by a woman named Anna Jarvis, who in 1907 wanted to celebrate her mother and felt that other mothers needed to be celebrated. Now, in some countries, they celebrate Mother's Day at a different time. Like, for instance, on the second Sunday of February, Norway celebrates it. March 8th, Albania, Armenia, uh, Belarus, uh, Serbia, Vietnam, Russia, Moldova, all of those places celebrate March 8th. The fourth Sunday of Lent, it's celebrated in Greece. I'm, I'm not sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Guernsey, Ireland, Isle of Man, Jersey, Nigeria, and uh, United Kingdom. So it would be the fourth Sunday of Lent. In May, the second Sunday, it's celebrated in 50 different countries, which includes Canada, um, the United States, parts of the Caribbean, um, whether it's Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, um, Barbados, Ghana, all over. Um, March 21st, Egypt, Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, Libya, Lebanon, Palestine, uh, Saudi Arabia, just so many to have here listed. They, they celebrate March 21st. Now on March 10th, Mexico, El Salvador, and Guatemala celebrate. Um, and, oh, and there's a whole bunch more on the second Sunday of May. Uh, Slovakia, South Africa, Sri Lanka, Switzerland, Taiwan. I apologize if I forget any other countries, but they have so many listed. Austria, Australia, Bahamas. So second Sunday of May, it's celebrated a lot around a lot of places. Poland, though, celebrates it, does celebrate it in May, but on a specific day, which is May 26th. The last Sunday of May, Algeria, Cameroon, the Dominican Republic, France, Haiti, Madagascar, Mali, uh, 
Mauritius, Morocco, Nigeria, Niger, um, Senegal, Sweden, and T- Tanzania celebrated on May 26th, August 12th, Thailand, and October 15th, Malawi. So there's quite a few. And everybody celebrates it different, you know. Some may do breakfast in bed for mom, out to dinner, take mom gifts. Sometimes the mothers give the children gifts just to just to honor the kids because if it wasn't for the kids, we wouldn't be mothers now, right? So those are just some some little things, some little tidbits to celebrate Mother's Day. But what I want you to mainly do for Mother's Day, and I always tell you, spend time with them and learn about them. They've got stories. Mamas always have stories, whether it's a story of you as you're growing up, maybe a story about them as they're growing up. Ask them what they did for their mothers for Mother's Day. There's just so many, many things that mothers know and are willing to share with you day in and day out. So to all the women out there, all the queens, happy Mother's Day and thank you for taking care of the children growing and that's going to rule our world one day. So this story today is going to be a two-part story and I'd like to put a warning on it. Um, It talks about lynching It talks about, um, I believe they talk about hanging and a few other things that happened during the civil rights movement. So it's just something to keep in mind while listening to um, this story. And it's going to be in two parts. So this week and then again next week will be the part two. So just again, a warning. But I think it is a great story uh, about learning, learning something of things that are happening out in the what happened in the past that has changed our world today. So let's go. The Hologram Room, written by Henry Charles with Hedrick McBride. After a heated argument with her teacher in front of the class, Allison takes off running, headed towards the bright red exit side. Bang! Allison goes through the door, but to her surprise, she was not outside. The door led her to a corridor with a flight of stairs going up. She could hear her teacher's footsteps getting closer and closer. She didn't care. She was already in trouble. Allison raced up the stairs. She started counting the number on all the doors. One, two, three, four. Allison just wanted out, not caring where she wound up. No longer was Allison paying attention to how many flights of stairs she ran up. She wanted to get as far away as possible. Suddenly, she saw a sign that said, This way to the hologram room. She enters the hologram room. The door slams shut behind her. Allison turns around and realizes the only way out is for someone on the outside to open the door. There were no doorknobs on the inside of the hologram room door. That didn't bother her as she wanders around the completely bright white room with high ceilings. A silhouette of a woman starts to appear. 
Oh, child, you've been doing your hair, said sweet southern voice. Allison stamps back. Who? My grandmother, that's who. Who are you anyway? I'm Madam C.J. Walker, and by the looks of your hair, you really don't know me. You are famous because you know how to do hair. My older cousin knows how to do hair, and she's not famous, said Allison. I'm not known for doing hair. I'm an entrepreneur. At the age of 14, I got married just so I could escape my sister's abusive husband. I left a bad situation and made a better situation for myself. I'm known for my hair products for black women. I toured the country selling my products, replied Madam C.J. Walker, and she began to comb Allison's hair. Entrepreneur? What's an entrepreneur? asked Allison. An entrepreneur is a person who starts a new business and usually risks her own money to start the business, explained Madam C.J. Walker. All of that money, I know you put your feet up and you were just relaxing. I know I would. What did you do with all that money, asked Allison. I donated a lot of my money in support of black schools, organizations, individuals, orphanages, retirement homes, as well as the YWCAs and YMCAs. I didn't stop when I was rich and wealthy. Our people still were slaves. My wealth also gave me power. I lectured and reached out to my black people about the issues that were still hindering us, explained Madam C.J. Walker. Where and what did you lecture about, asked Allison. I lectured at black institutions against slavery. I was a keynote speaker at many national associations for the advancement of colored people fundraisers. In 1917, I devoted myself to make lynching a federal crime, explained Madam C.J. Walker. Lynching? What's lynching? asked Allison. Madam C.J. Walker interjects and says, It was nice talking to you, but I have to go. Wait, what's lynching? asked Allison. Ask her, replied Madam C.J. Walker. Madam C.J. Walker disappeared, and so did the chair Allison was sitting on. Ask who? said Allison. A woman appeared. She was tiptoeing slowly, panning her head from left to right. She looked as if she was looking for something or someone. She defensively held a staff in her hand. Her skin was dark and shiny like puddle of water at night. Her hair was covered with a scarf. She wore a fitted black long-sleeved shirt with white buttons down the middle. Her skirt was white. It flared at the top and came down wide, covering her shoes. The bottom of the skirt was filthy with splattered mud. Who are you, Allison said with grimace. I thought I got everyone on that train. You must have been lagging behind. It's okay. We'll catch the next train in the morning, said the mysterious woman. Allison replied, train in the morning? Hold up. I'm not going anywhere with you. Who are you? I don't even know you. You must be from the North. I'm Harriet Tudman. What's wrong with your hair? Allison pleaded. It was Madam C.J. Walker. Never mind, said Harriet Tudman. Why do you have a staff in your hand? Asked Allison. Just in case we run into some trouble, answered Harriet Tubman. 
What kind of trouble? Allison said angry. The only trouble I see here is you trying to take me on a train and I don't even know who you are. Harriet Tubman frowned and approached Allison, getting so close that their noses nearly made contact. You want to know who I am? I was born into slavery. The only good thing was waking up in the morning, and sometimes I did not want to wake up. I was forced to work at age six. My slave master let his neighbor borrow me. I was beaten regularly. One time I was beaten for eating a sugar cube. I witnessed blacks getting lashed to death. Nights were freezing cold. We slept close to the fireplace. I could let my toe touch the burning ashes so they would not be frostbitten. Feeling ashamed, Allison said, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Were you ever married? Yes, I was married. But my husband didn't want to leave. So I left him and escaped to Philadelphia. And the help of a white couple, they were against slavery. Not all white people are bad. There are some good ones out there, Harriet Tubman explained. If you escaped, why did you come back? Asked Allison. I came back to help free the rest. So far, I've freed over 300 slaves on 19 trips and never lost a passenger. But I don't know where you come from. I hear them coming. You sure you don't want to come with me, said Harriet Tubman. Nah, you can go on without me, said Allison. Harriet Tubman nods, then pans the room and lasts time, then disappears. Wait, what's lynching, shouted Allison. Chorus, still not understanding or grasping the harsh facts. What Allison doesn't know is their people fought with walls against their facts. Let's see how she reacts when she's exposed to more facts. Lynching? Who wants to know about lynching? Says a stern, deep male southern voice. Me, said Allison. A middle-aged man appears from the corner of the room wearing a black suit and a white shirt with a top button unbuttoned with no tie. The man continues. The word lynch derives from a man called Willie Lynch. Willie Lynch was a British slave owner in the West Indies. In 1712, the colony of Virginia invited Willie Lynch to share his methods on controlling black slaves. Indeed, his methods were clever. His methods were to brutally beat the body while controlling the minds of black slaves. Wow. Okay, that's where the word comes from. Now, what is lynching? asked Allison. Lynching is a term white people used when forming a mob, torturing, then killing a black person, usually by hanging, explained the man. How many black people do you think were lynched? inquired Allison. Too many, said the man. My home state of Mississippi is still known for lynching and injustice to blacks. In the early 1960s, I started the boycott of merchants in Jackson, Mississippi, and also boycotted gas stations that refused to let blacks use their restrooms. By looking at your hair, they refused to let you into the, any hair salons. Allison pleaded, it was Madam C.J. Walker. Those actions gained national attention. My dedicated work helped admit James Meredith into University of Mississippi. At the time, 
a, segre a segregated university. That was a major step in securing civil rights in the state of Mississippi, he explained. That's good, right? People always talk about Dr. Martin Luther King, but I never heard of you. You seem like you've done a lot to help black people. I'm glad that you are here because you we need a strong strong black men like you. By the way, who are you? asked Allison. I am Medgar Willie Evers. I earned numerous college degrees. My work around the Mississippi area attracted attention of the NAACP, and I was appointed Mississippi's first field secretary for the NAACP. Like Dr. Muth Dr. Martin Luther King, I too was assassinated. Shocked with disbelief, Allison said, huh? Why? When? By who? Medgar Evers replied, on June 12, 1963, I was getting out of my car and walking toward my front door when I was shot and killed. I was killed by Brian Della Beckwith. They caught him, right? Asked a teary-eyed Allison. Yes, Medgar Evers replied. But Della Beckworth stood trial twice, and both times an all-white jury could not reach a verdict. But that's not fair, Allison shouted with tears falling from her eyes. Yes, but that was the 60s. They reopened the trial in 1994, and Byron Del Beckwith was found guilty of murder and was sentenced to life in prison, explained Medgar Evers. Thirty years later, asked Allison. Yes. You can't run away from justice, said Medgravers. Allison asked sadly, you were killed in front of your house? Yes, my home in Jackson, Mississippi, was turned into a museum. Everything inside my home at the time of my death was kept the same. Nothing was touched, said Medgravers. You did a lot of boycotting. Tell me more about boycotting, said Allison. I know someone who could tell you more, said Medgravers. I have to go. A woman appeared, short hair, skinned thin, fair skin, thin framed glasses, perched on the top of the bridge of her nose. Her hair, black with a few strands of gray hairs, thick and soft as cotton. Hello, young lady, said a sweet southern voice. I know who you are. I know who you are, Allison said anxiously while jumping up and down. You are Rosa Parks. Yes, yes, I am. I learned about you in school. You didn't get up for that white man. You sat down first. I wouldn't have gotten up either. How's he going to just tell you to get up? You sat down first, first come, first serve. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya, said Allison. You think I didn't get up because I sat down first, asked Rosa Parks. Yeah, said Allison. If that's what you think, then you don't know why I didn't get up, said Rosa Parks. Then why didn't you, asked Allison. I was tired, said Rosa Parks. Oh, you were just coming from work, right? Oh, I see now, said Allison. Young lady, no. I was tired. I was tired of being told what I could and could not do. I was tired of the injustice. I was tired of brutal attacks and senseless killings of my people. I was tired of sitting in the back of buses. Young lady, the reason you know me is because I fought for what I believe in. I sit 
still fought till I was in the grave, said Rosa Parks. I want to be just like you, said Allison. No, don't be like me, explained Rosa Parks. Madam C.J. Walker, Harriet Tubman, Medgar Willie Evers, and others have paved the way for you to live a better life so you won't have to struggle to progress. In my days, we didn't have guns, so we came up with ways to fight without punching or kicking. How, said Allison, by boycotting. When you boycott, you stop buying or paying for a service. It's because of us that white people were making all that money. So we stopped riding the buses. We carpooled with those who had cars or we walked. We walked for 381 days. We walked. We walked, talked, sang, and we loved it, explained Rosa Parks. So what happened, said Allison. The Supreme Court's ruling in November 1956, the segregation of transportation was unconstitutional, explained Rosa Parks. Uncon to what? What does that mean, asked Allison. Rosa Parks chuckled and she explained, that meant anyone could sit anywhere on the bus. Young lady, I have to go now. Forget what I said. You can be just like me, but better. Listen to your parents, listen to your teachers, and fix your hair. You would be much prettier, Allison pleaded. It was Madam C.J. Walker. Okay, see ya, said Rosa Parks. Oh my goodness. I, I love what she's learning in the museum. And again, as I said, there was a warning. So I apologize for those who felt uncomfortable about the story. We're going to continue on with the hologram room um, next week. So tune in. All right, guys. So for now, happy Mother's Day. I'm proud to be black because black looks good on me and it looks great on you. And thank the queens who gave it to you. Bye for now.